Yo, yeah, it's the Ty So once again, man. If you can't tell by my voice, your boy is kind of frustrated right now. Man, I just saw on, you know, TV, hey, talking about the coronavirus vaccine. Talking about, you know, how it's going to uh, save everything in the, um, in the vibe. And I just never been so, like, floored and flabbergasted of how, of, of like a, like, of like any type of quote-unquote progress, you know, part of the history, it's like, this frustrates me more than anything else, I don't even know how they get away with this, how they get away with this, like, we have like these organizations, you know, they pretty much cause the problems, like, like the masses let, let organizations get away with way too much, Okay, they let people get away way too much. It's it's, it's ridiculous. This is this is this is the situation. This is like sleight of hand magic tricks. So these organizations, like the CDC and all the other ones, are the ones that mainly stroked out and stroked the fear of the coronavirus. All this fear, all this fear, all this frustration, making you know, making people scared, making people, you know. Not being able to, uh, you know, be extremely mobilized by by the future, you know, have people interact, you know, laws and procedures that made people stay inside. They use behavioral control techniques that cause people even more anxiety. And then when they see fit, now they're going to try to quote unquote, quote unquote, with a with a vaccine. All right, with a vaccine. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to try to change the demeanor of the mood of, okay, now, don't worry. Now, there's hope. There's hope. Don't worry. You don't have to be scared anymore. You know, we have, we have, the, we have the cure now. You know, it's like, man, the masses, like, I have, I have got to find us some type of way for the masses to contribute to the betterment of their survival and the betterment of mankind. I have to find a format I'm interested to where our developer format that I call Zortech. I have to make sure Zortech becomes something because this thing that we have right now, this is not the way. Okay, like these organizations are not solving issues. They are nothing but stress relief organizations. Like I said before, stress relief organizations. The thing is, they cause the stress. They're the ones that kept plastering all the deaths of the coronavirus. Having people um, make jump to conclusions about how it works, how it affects people. I just was told by, you know, my family members um, that, you know, that, that the coronavirus, you know, it turns your blood to cement. Like, come on, that's not how it works. They got people up here feeling that type of way that they think that the coronavirus is basically like the bionic plague reincarnated, where it don't seem to be nearly that harsh if the people who are um, at most risk of people with bad immune systems, which is with, with us with any disease. So put through, have all this stress, okay, compounded with the fact that there was martial, like it was basically controlling their behavior, but maybe it's, it's just, it made people feel that, oh, this must be real if everybody else thinks we're all gonna go with the group. The group knows, like it's just, this is what happens when organizations feed off of the masses they don't they don't 
that when they don't listen to the community, they don't listen to the people who are actually in here trying to do stir-vent, who's trying to stop global disasters, the community of people, okay, because they can't hang with the um, with the community. They, they take advantage of the lower expertise of the masses, and they just feed off of it and give, try to give them the bare minimum. Okay, this is what I call um, the social theory that I call, you know, the law of downfall. You know, this is the this is what happens that I, I develop. You know, it's called the law of downfall. This is describes what happens when people, how organizations completely collapse. It all basically stems from one, you know, um, idea is when you have you have a community that builds it up, and then some rogue members of the community who can't hang with the innovation requirements of the community quit and then they just try to go through with the masses every single organization like well i'm not gonna say every single because always a area element of um randomness uncertainty but i'm gonna say like you know there's a large number of the typical pattern that you see with organizations they start off like with you know with a lot of people in the they start off innovative but with my law of downfall i say how they let me go back. The law of diffusion of innovation basically explains, you know, how innovative ideas, for all who don't know, how innovative ideas, you know, turn to something. You know, how Apple became, you know, a large competitor. You know, basically, you know, it starts off with you know, innovators coming up with the ideas. And then, you know, they focus on the early adopters. These are people, who, you know, who saw standing outside in line, you know, to try to get the new iPhone for hours. Which we could just go in like the next week and get off the shelf, for, you know, for super cheap. But then you have, but the real money and gold comes from when you're able to get the um, majority, the masses. But the thing, but the trick about the masses is that, you know, but then you have the masses, of course, and then you have, you know, the laggers. You know, those are people who, only reason they don't buy, you know, like Simon Sinek says, only reason they don't buy rotary phones is because you can't buy them anymore. People who do not want to adapt to the new technology that I call preservers, who actually I think are pretty cool. But anyway, but the, what the gold comes and the, and the uh, money and everything and the fame comes when you're able to get the masses involved. Okay, the thing about it is that my my interpretation of it and my theory about how this works is that, you know, basically it's this, you know, the masses are the ones that you got to get them involved. But the thing about the masses is they don't do something unless somebody else does it first. They only do something when it's socially safe and has social proof. Okay, so they only... So they, they don't make decisions on themselves. They look around to see what everybody else is doing. They have low expectations. And they can't really do much. They can't really do because they because they don't train they don't and don't on that part of the community, they don't have like the highest skills to be able to do a lot of things on their own. They basically just follow like you know the um uh, like what everybody else is doing. That's a good system if you want to be a consumer. So they are the best consumers you can have. They only consume, you know, the best products. But it all falls apart. We try to be a producer. The thing about it is that their comfort level, uh, you know, have passed the rise of a certain level for them to start consuming. But you have to remember, after something becomes popular, their comfort level doesn't stop increasing. Okay? When something becomes popular, their comfort level increases to the point where they want to start producing. Okay, and then that's when everything falls apart. All right, when they when they want to try to produce, but the thing is, they have their their 
scared, timid, uh, only only do things that are safe and know and the and proven by the group is not good for innovation. So all they can do is maintain the status quo, which isn't good for innovation. So all they can do is just just um, linger and basically the gray like a carton of milk. But you know what happens is that they realize that when they have like a, when the market gets established for a product, they realize that even if it just go through, you don't have to be a chapter ahead of the masses for, for them to want to, uh, you know, the, the have to see some value in your product. So what they do is instead of going, listening to the community and the innovators, early adopters who can help make them better, they don't want to do that. So what they do is they just feed off of the fears and lower expertise and lower expectations of the masses. And they bring it down. And then the next generation that comes to see them, the masses, use their techniques and they bring it down a little bit lower. They bring it down a little bit lower. Then we're a little bit lower. Until a point where it is so low that it actually involves no value. And that's when they bring in the laws. They bring in social pressures. They try to maintain it until it gets completely destroyed by the quote-unquote new generation. You know, let me give you an example. Fast food industry. Fast food industry, we came up with, like, I think it came out popularized like around the 50s, was one of the most innovative restaurant formats ever in life. But one of the leaders of it being McDonald's. They, McDonald's um, was forced out of the previous defeated concept, which was the um, the drive through which was innovative, of course, like everything starts innovative, like drive through when it's in its infancy, started off innovative, but it downgraded, okay, because it had a, a list of issues that the when the majority got a hold of the dining, dining industry, they messed it up. It got downgraded to the point where it was a whole bunch of costs being with plates and silverware, okay, um, they, they basically tried to go off go off the uh, sex appeal of the image of teenagers like you know like you know at like the whole school like roller skating teenager so they didn't really hire people with a lot of expertise and skills it was mainly about beauty okay they had a lot of run-ins where it had like these um, waitresses where you know was um uh, uh you know um, going out and um coming intimate with customers and things but kind of gave it uh, driving a bad reputation and then they kind of started to attract, you know, um, the, the teenage crowd, which basically, you know, didn't pay much, drove away a lot of the higher paid customers and basically, you know, caused a lot of chaos, you know. And the, the McDonald's brothers, you know, had a, had a drive in, had a drive in, but they realized that, you know, listen, they have to come up with something a little bit different. So they did fast food. They got rid of all the plates. They uh, made it so people have to, you know, come up and self-serve. But they had a calling card. The biggest problem that people had with the drive-ins was the fact that it took so long to get food. And a lot of times it was, if it wasn't cold, sometimes it was wrong. And when you had like a busy schedule, you know, you couldn't really um, do that. So what the McDonald's brothers did is they developed a whole bunch of their own tech to make food extremely, extremely efficiently. They, they dropped all of their menu, all the barbecue and everything else out of the menu and just made it for... Um, their biggest sellers, which was burgers, fries, and shakes. Focus on that, 
they were focused on producing their product extremely, extremely quickly. I think it was like minutes. So if you have to wait like a half hour to an hour to get your food, you could get yours in like four or five minutes for extremely cheap, 15 cents for a burger. It was revolutionary, okay? But the thing about it is that the reason why it starts off revolutionary is that they have, it wasn't, it wasn't the fast food, it was that it was a fast food based on people that had what I call max stats. The quick idea about, well, not, not, not max stats, but you know, I'll say like, you know, um, okay, um, journey to max stats. Journey to max stats. Um, ace of all trades. Okay, ace of all trades. Basically, it's like this. If you have, we all know like the different stats when it comes to like to be a good basketball player. You gotta know how to, you know, pass, um, dunking, shooting, defense, okay? Let's say you have three basketball players. Let's say you have one basketball player that's the best in the world with just defense. With, the, with defense. They could block better than anybody else. You know, um, you know, they could steal balls and things like that. But they had the worst offense known to mankind. They airballed everything. They couldn't pass. They couldn't even dribble without losing the ball. And then you have on the other side of the spectrum, you know, um, uh, it was all offense. They could shoot. They could make it from anywhere on the lane. They can dunk. They had the best handles. They had the worst defense. They couldn't block anything. They couldn't steal. Okay. These are what I call quarter quadrant. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's the one dimensional type of um, warrior, you know, a basketball player. Okay. And then you have the third person who, as you know, who's great at everything. Who um, who has the best? Uh, who who has the who can rival the best in the world when it comes to defense? They can block and do all that steals, and they can rival the best with offense. They can dunk, shoot, and do everything pretty much perfectly. Who's the best? Who's the best out of those three? Number one, two, or three? Three, of course. Let me let me ask you this: What if you had someone? Who out of the first two who who's a, who's a who could only do offense, who could only do who could only do defense, but the one you know he had the best offense in the world, but his defense was just average. Okay, he could rival the best offensive person, but his defense was just average. He wasn't as good as the best defensive in the world, but he could hold his own. Who's better out of the three? The third person still, he could still he he still had the best. He or she still had the best. Okay, because in the in the in the um. In a competition, okay, when it came to the best defensive in the world, his offense was just out, was straight up outperform the, the defensive player. He could just outscore them. But he had his defense where he could at least defend against anything that this um, all-defense player had to offer. And then he could completely destroy the all-defense player. I mean, all-offense player, because he could completely neutralize his offense. He could meet them, you know, Point for point with offense, but also he had, uh, you know, what I'm saying, uh, uh, good defense. You know, he had good defense. So he can actually get some steals here and there. You know, he can actually, you know, get some blocks here and there. So actually, the third person will actually make more points. You see what I'm saying? So third person is still best. And then also, let's say you have somebody who had, you know, um. Uh, you know, the, some of the best defense in the world, but had, you know, average offense. He could still, out of the three out of the 
um, one-dimensional offense, one-dimensional defense, they're still the third person. Because when it came to the defense, to the defensive player, they have the defense to match each other. But the offensive player has better offense. He can actually make some points. So he will still be able to outperform the um, the all-defense player. But he can also outperform the all-offense player. Because his defense will be so good, he'll be able to actually make a whole bunch of stops. But he'll be able to have some decent offense to be able to score on the all-offense player. Okay? That's pretty much how that works. So going back to the previous example I was saying about McDonald's, okay, is that it came from the fact that um, that you have the McDonald's brothers, they had the skills of this new thing called fast food, but they had the expertise and the skills to be able to handle and have the advantages of being, dying, of being driving operators. They knew that you still had to make good food, knew that you still had customer service. They just knew they knew that you still had to have you still have to run a restaurant. It just was happened to be faster than what everybody else. Okay, it wasn't the fact it wasn't the fact that they had fast food. They were just faster than everybody else. They had this was but they was they had had multiple skills. They were well rounded. It just happened that their expertise was fast food. But the problem is that you know people in the community got this. People outside the community, you know, when the majority starts to try to dabble. And they want to try to produce and come up with a whole new restaurant, you know. All they see is the fast food part. So eventually, they just they just focus on the fast food, and it just go, it just kind of downgrades. But they don't necessarily stop innovating. So they all no longer can hang with you know the um, um, innovation because McDonald's was always innovating because they had that format. They were always getting getting better, better and better and better. Okay, so. You have people out there who, who only can see what they can only can do what they can see. So they just see like the fast food and say, oh, okay, people love fast foods. So they just went up there and fast food. Okay. And people just started making money doing fast food. And then fast food became the focus point. So then food quality dropped just a little bit. A little unnoticeable at first. They started dropping more. So they're dropping more. So I dropping more. And then when it came to, you know, um, the McDonald's brothers met, um, I forgot who was the guy who, uh, who took it over? Uh, uh, Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc came in and uh, went through. And then when he came through and took over, you know, of course, you know, the Malajon brother, they had horrible, you know, because when when problem is when you innovate, it's not really good when it comes to, like making money. So a lot of times you have like innovators who don't really have a lot of money and don't really make too much of a profit. So Ray Kroc came in wait, and had noble intentions at first, you know, make it more profitable. Came in, you know, save money with refrigeration. You know, try to come in work with the milkshakes, to come with the powdered milkshakes to make a refrigeration. You know, they have to, you know, similarize the um, the um, format and try to, you know, have like a uh, assembly line of food. But what you know, but what suffers always was the food quality. So Ray Kroc came in, he came in, he t- took over, and you know, the food quality decreased a little bit. And over a time, when they saw how profitable McDonald's could be, they started going out with the franchises. And then the franchises came in and started, you know, downgrading just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. A little bit more. Until the point where you have basically fake food. Okay? And then to the point that we have now, we have uh, cheap fake food. That's not even real food. It's so unhealthy. That if you ate it every day, it's basically almost the same as like like smoking at this point. And, and it's, it's funny, like it's not even cheap anymore. 
It's getting to the point where it's really, really expensive to buy fast food. So now it's getting to the point where fast food industry is about to collapse in on itself. So going back to what I was saying before about what happened with well, well, how, how it relates back to the vaccines and the CDC. Okay, the CDC, and I, no, I just bring up the CDC because, like, you know, they're the, they're the well, quote, most famous ones. But, you know, just all these organizations right here have no idea what the point of this is at this point. Okay, you are here to protect mankind, to stop human extinction. Okay, you have to, they have to be better at this. Them coming out here with a whole bunch of fear techniques, telling people to put on masks and stand six feet, shutting down businesses, making people stay home, risking the economy with um, having to give people stimulus checks until they quote come with a vaccine, which I don't even think that's going to work because it's so rushed because they have no idea. The, what, what I would have been impressed with with what they did if they would have came out with, if they would have, would have eliminated the coronavirus immediately. But they would have came up with, um, so, okay, they would have said, oh, the coronavirus is, is here. Um, let's let's um, produce something, whether it's ventilation or, you know, or, or some type of technology or immune business technique or immune boosting technology uh, would, would have eliminated immediately. Okay? That's what would have impressed me. That's what we got to get to with these viruses. There's two many there's too many and they can just mutate okay there's too many areas where these um viruses can come and attack the human body we have to be better than just telling people put on a mask and stand six feet to become with a vaccine that's not engineering that's not science we have to get better at this and the thing is these organizations don't want to hear that they don't want to hear because they don't want to hear people tell them that hey you got you know you got to step your game up because at the end of the day they can't live up to the standards of the people in the community you know of the innovators of early adapters of this who, who stir vent for real because they can't live up to the expectations because we, we got to continue to innovate you can't become stagnant so what they do is just like what people did with with mcdonald's is that you know instead of continue to uh, innovate they said you know what the masses all they care about is if the food is fast and tastes good. That's, those are just the minimum requirements. So they just made food that's cheap and tastes good. But but that's not innovation. The whole point of fast food, what made it innovative was that people, yes, people want fast food that tastes good, but they also want it to be healthy. They do, they want, they, the whole point of a restaurant is they want, they want people who, they want that, you know, that home cooked meal with people who can cook better than what they can get at home. That's the whole concept of fast food. Now, that's no longer the case. Okay, same thing with the, with what, I'm what I call the steroid industry. With what you know when you're trying to protect the masses. The whole point is just to stop human extinction. That's the point. And with there being so many ways where the human race can be extinct, so many areas, that you, well, we have to always improve as a species. We can't just survive on the sleight of hand. But this procedure is too stressful for these organizations. So they, what they do is they jettison from that concept and go to the majority. All the majority and the masses care about is if, it's all, about, all they care about is feeling good. All they want is for the stress to go away. 
because having having to deal with global disasters on this on the scale terrifies them to the point where they can't function. All they care about is stress relief. Those are the bare minimums. Okay, so you up here elevating stress, which which and which if you didn't know. Stress is one of the main causes that lowers your immune system. So I will argue that you, that the CDC and these organizations made people sick and helped kill more people with coronavirus because they use fear techniques to mess up their immune system by causing them more stress. So that's what I'm going to say. So, so you they help cause stress and foster stress only to now with the quote-unquote vaccine, which which we don't even know if it's even going to be effective because you had so many um, false tests and false negatives when it came to this coronavirus. Nobody knew what they were doing because they just sprung this up and tried to just force people to figure it out. So it was, I even heard a story about people sending in vials to these testing labs with nothing in it, no blood, and it comes back positive. Okay, that's the type of foolishness that was out there because they had no structure. They tried to have the entire world follow their plan with no even test to see if they're even doing it right. Because they're, because they because they because they're the quote unquote doctors and they're the quote unquote smart people. Man, any anybody can be wrong. Anybody can have a technique that doesn't work. So this is so that's what that's what's going on. So I. I'm not a fan of the fact that you got this thing with the vaccine. This is not a victory. They did not save the day. They didn't do none of that. What they did was they spent their time causing, choking on the fears of the masses. They stopped looking to the community who could have helped them improve, looked for the barest, barest of minimums of the masses, raised their stress level, choked them with fear, raised the stress level and then when they saw fit to try to do a vaccine and a campaign to try to say oh don't worry you guys don't have to be scared anymore we have the answer now okay so now you got these people and then i'm just talking about my family members again when they heard about this they're like oh don't worry everything's gonna be great now they have a vaccine get out of here so you cause the stress you cause extra stress, and now you're going to, you know, you know, try to take away the stress that you caused. You try to cause that saving the day. You just trying to solve the problem you caused. You know, there was a, a old school, you know, in the um late like early two thousands, you know, um, there was a cartoon by the name of uh, of Jimmy Neutron. Jimmy Neutron, quote unquote, boy genius. He was quote unquote the quote unquote hero of his community, you know. But the thing about Jimmy Neutron is that he caused all the problems. Basically, all, all, most of the problems that that plagued his city, he he caused it. He was so careless with his experiments. He always caused some type of issue, and every all episode was him causing the problems. And at the end of the episode, he he fixed the problems that he caused. And yeah, he's supposed to be a hero. Eventually, people start to realize that he was a he was a menace. People start to realize he was actually he was actually uh, like you know like the biggest villain of the of the whole 
of the whole town, of the whole series. Okay? He was not a hero. He was just really good at cleaning up the messes that he created. He was just a good custodian. Okay? That's what the CDC is. They're not... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't keep on, like picking on the CDC. That's what these. I will say this: is what these virus organizations, that's quote unquote fighting the coronavirus, are. They're like the magicians. They just say, slide up hand. Don't look over here. Look over here. It disappeared. No, it didn't disappear. You just try to five people focus their attention. Okay. You didn't save anything. Okay. If you really saving the day, you should have eradicated this beforehand. Should have never got to this level. What you did is what a high school student could have did. This, these people, worldwide, organizations got paid um, trillions of dollars with a T to fight the coronavirus. This is the best you could come up with? Best you could come up with with all the resources you got. You have got to do better than this. All right? So, no, you're not, you're not a bunch of heroes. Okay? So that's all I got to say, yo. You know, I had a lot to say this time. But this is how I feel. Okay? So I am so upset of how seeing this play out situation with this whole response to the coronavirus. They got they gotta do better than this, man. And you know what? I'm tired of that's this is why I don't try to focus on the authority. And the authority. And focus on the, what the master says. So you know what? Forget the win for them to do better. I'm gonna have to do something better than this. Forget, forget me saying I gotta do better. Because they're probably just gonna just do more of the same foolishness. I'm going to do better. I'm going to set this organization up with Walk Say Now. I'm going to make sure we have some formats so when we next time we have another any type of disasters, whether it's hurricanes, asteroids, another pandemic, we can set this up so the so we can make it so you know. Of course, you have the organizations who have you know the big ideas, the innovators, the adopters. We also we make it so the general public can contribute to their advancement. We try to make sure the general public have the basic knowledge of how vaccine works. If they understand how to eradicate viruses, so they can come with some. So we can still have some more ideas and make sure that if an idea doesn't work, it can get challenged, and we can have some more creativity because we need that. We can't just have just the same old, same old ideas. It's difficult to stop these disasters. We need ideas after ideas after ideas. In the book, you know, when it comes where good ideas come from, it comes from the idea of so many different types of organizations and um, concepts, different people coming together, discussing things. We need good ideas because we need good results. We are dealing with, the, in this disturbance, we are dealing with um, situations that could destroy us all, that can eliminate the entire human race from existence, human species from existence. We have to do better. So I'm that's why I'm working hard to develop. That's why the world needs some walk say now. It needs some Rafael Okoro in their life. Alright, so I'm out to where I'm out to work hard to make this happen. This right here is not going to continue to happen. Not on my watch. Alright. I'm gonna make something better than this. So yeah man. You gotta stay cool out there. Peace.